Welcome to Social Minute, the podcast that looks at the social network minute by minute. Today we're going to be covering minute number 81, which goes from 1 hour 20 to 1 hour 20 59. Um, in this minute, uh, Sharon and uh, Sean are still there. Uh, Mark is still throwing beer at them. Um, Sean is impressed that the Palo Alto house is a work environment, basically. Uh, not true to life. In real life, the Palo Alto house was a little bit of a party kind of venue. Um, and, you know, everyone's kind of just wired in doing coding. That's it. Um, uh, and so Justin Timberlake dishes his Sharon and we head off to what is described in the script as um, uh, Ruby Sky. Um, <laughs> and... Um, I think the description that's in the script is kind of accurate to what's going on on screen, but not super accurate. Um, and then we find out that Sean was crashing at Sharon's, but now she's gone home to her parents' place. Uh, another sign that maybe his interests are a little bit young in terms of the women that he hangs around with. Um, and then two beautiful women turn up um, and they, re they refer to him as the homeless rock star of Palo Alto. Um, and then Mark reveals that he has been looking at the architecture, uh, which is a funny way to refer to what he was actually looking at. Uh, and joining me to talk about this today is Robert Black. Hello, Robert. Hello. So, I mean, this is a, a little bit of a transitional minute. Um, you know, we're starting out, we're still in the Palo Alto house and Mark is still throwing beer bottles left, right and centre. Um, I, I like how he's already thrown one to Sharon. And then, of course, he basically tries to give her a heads up a second time and he throws another bottle and it just crashes to the ground. And she's just, as he's thrown it, she's like, wait, and it just kind of crashes. And I like how everyone just kind of stands there and just looks at the beer. And then, you know, Sean is like, this is what this house, you know, this house and this team are great. It's exactly what it should be. Well, I like, um, I like he, the second bottle that it comes, basically, he throws it to us. Because it yes, comes directly yes, at the, at the camera, camera, shatters on like some, some plexiglass sheet in front of it. And so he's throwing to us, although we don't catch it, <laughs> just like Sharon. No. Yeah. And it's also worth noting, of course, it's empty. It just shatters and then yeah. that's it. Like, even the first bottle he threw was also empty. It shattered and there was no liquid. There was just a, a smashing <laughs> of glass. Um, which I guess if you're going to be on a set with David Fincher and you're going to be throwing glass bottles over and over again for each take, it makes sense not to have them filled with liquid. Um you know, just makes the cleanup a lot easier. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, but yeah, and I, I love that Sean is kind of really into what's going on in the, the house. Like, you know, he's he, he goes to introduce himself uh, to Andrew and Andrew just just pays no attention. And of course, Mark has to say he's wired in. That, of course, is a setup for later on in the film. Um, and then, of course, Sean is like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, and and <laughs> which probably one of my favorite phrases, uh, me and a friend of mine, we like... Um, many, many years ago, uh, we were at the cinema. Um, we'd seen a film that he did not enjoy, uh, that I did enjoy. Um, and so we decided to see uh, the fourth Rambo film, sometimes known as Rambo, also known as John Rambo. Yeah. Um, and when it opened up and like the first, like I think it's about like, I don't know, 40 minutes into the film or something, Rambo just like starts like unleashing and killing tons of people. <laughs> um, and my friend leaned over to me and he said, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so <laughs> this is um, recently I sent him the, the trailer for the new Rambo film, Last Blood. Yeah. And I said to him, is this what you're talking about? Um, so, you know, whenever there's something that my friend likes, he will kind of be like, that's what I'm talking about. Um, and so I kind of like this, you know, this this whole like Sean being so enthusiastic about just people sitting at computers quietly typing. Um, 
which I don't know. It's kind of weird because he makes it seem like it's more exciting, like a bunch of people sitting there coding, and it's like that's what he's talking about. And it's like, yeah, but it's just a bunch of people with like headphones on, just like ignoring the outside world and just coding away. Like it's. I don't know. It's kind of funny because it makes it seem like just the way that Justin Timberlake plays this, it makes it seem like it's a cooler environment than it actually is. Yeah. When effectively it's just a rented property in Palo Alto full of a bunch of like teenagers coding. Yeah. It's messy, horrible place. Probably smells. But, but <laughs> yeah. also the, that phrase is great. Like that's what I'm talking about. Cause obviously literally it's not anything anyone's talking about. It never is. That's not how you use no. the phrase, but it also makes it seem like it's like, this is the thing he conceived of and Mark just happens to be doing it, which sets <laughs> yeah. up the whole next exchange at the nightclub. It's like Sean is kind of winning him over by getting so excited about everything. Like he's wired in. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. It's, yeah. It's so much. And of course, uh, this is where we get the question. Where's Eduardo? Yeah. Uh, Mark says he's got an internship in New York. Um, and then, of course, this is where, after a beat, Sean is like, Eduardo didn't come out. Uh, which, it's funny because it's like, it seems like he's just confirming that with Mark. But also, it's the setup for, like, the, the smash cut to Let's Go to the Club. Yeah. Because it's almost like, almost in, it's almost in his internal monologue of, like, Eduardo didn't come out. Well, this means I can take Mark to a club and impress him. See, and it's, it's, like, it's I, like his plotting I got plotting the impression that Sean knows that. Like when he says, "Where's Eduardo?" He just looks around the kitchen. Like he knows Eduardo isn't there. He he looked this yeah. stuff up ahead of time. He hooked up with Sharon because she lives across the street. You know, he's he's very <laughs> good at this. Uh, apparently, in real life, this was a complete coincidence. Uh, they huh. rented a house, and Sean Parker happened to know somebody who lived directly opposite. And in real life, he did turn up one day knocking on the door because something had happened to the chimney. Huh. Um, not qu- not quite as seen in the film, but something kind of, you know, a, a noise, basically. And he knocked on the door and Mark answered the door and he was just sh- as surprised as anyone would be that Mark was in this property directly opposite the one that his friend was in. See, but um, now I imagine Sean Parker just sitting at his friend's house waiting for some excuse to go over there. <laughs> He's like, something's going to happen. Something's going to break. There's going to be a noise. Yeah, and then I can go and so investigate. Pretend and say, it's a coincidence. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm going to call the cops. Um, yeah, so apparently that happened in real life, and like obviously they put it into the film, and you know, I, some people were like, "Yeah, of course he was living opposite." It's a coincidence. It's like, yeah, it was. You know, it's just it's one of those things where it just happened that in real life it, this coincidence happens, and they put it in the film, and you know, you kind of, I guess, you kind of have to go with it. You have to be like, okay, I guess, you know, yeah, um, you know, Palo Alto at this time, I don't think was that kind of heavily populated with. Um, you know, coders and everything, because obviously the dot-com bubble had been a few years before, so there was a lot of empty properties in Palo Alto um, of, you know, former Pets.com employees who who thought they were going to get a million a year or whatever. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of, it, it probably rings true that they rented somewhere that was, you know, fairly nice looking, but, you know, also fairly kind of cheap. Um, but, you know, this is just the setup for the smash cut, um to the you know uh, these days i think it would be a drone shot but i think this is a day for night that has been cgi enhanced um something that the skyline um, uh, yeah something that was done in um zodiac as well when they had like the the same building i think being built in zodiac uh, as like a passage of time during the 70s um and i think the same thing has kind of been done to this this shot here hmm. uh where they've kind of made it look slightly more exciting than it would do like they've put some color in there 
um, and and kind of made it kind of seem like it's you know the exciting place to be. Um, and I I mean I'm gonna have to kind of you might be right. I think it. the sunset is too far north for the angle, so it might be fake. Yeah. I, th- I well, I, having seen like in Zodiac, there's that scene where I can't even remember the name of the building, but it get it gradually gets built over the course of like a decade throughout the seventies to kind of show the passage of time. The point, the pointy one, this, or the one that they're filming from. The the pointy one, the Trans America building. Yeah, the Trans America building, and that game that gets built in the seventies, and they show lots of like cranes and all kinds of stuff, and that was all CGI. Hmm. Um, so I think they've kind of used a similar thing here to kind of do a little bit of CGI effects on the on the the sunset. Um, and just you know, make it look make it look nice. Um, and then, of course, uh, as described by Stefan, we are in Ruby Sky, which is uh, San Francisco's hippest nightclub. Um, it is a place to seduce uh, young dot com entrepreneurs uh, by pro- by telling them stories of people throwing themselves off the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, <laughs> and it has a VIP area that is um, manned by Victoria's Secret models. Um, I, I think I think it's funny because obviously. Um, there's a whole kind of, there's a lower level, like we, it's a nice little, it's such a nice shot. I mean, I just, I love, I just love the way we kind of get into the club because we start over the DJ booth and then we kind of go down and there's some women who are basically, I don't know where they think they are, but they seem to be dressed like just in their underwear and it's, well, yeah, and they it have feels really platforms. Yeah, so it's like I don't, that feels like I don't know. It feels like they're meant to be at a strip club, but they're not. But I I don't know. I you know when was the last time I ever went to a ultra hip San Francisco nightclub? The answer is never. Well, and filmed in an ultra hip LA sound, uh, film nightclub. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so they kind of they they sweep over and they kind of go down onto the dance floor at the lower level, and then they kind of come back up. Um, in the description in the script it says a staircase leads up to the second floor which is all VIP tables that look out over the dance floor and there is a staircase at the far end but I don't think the, ca- the camera doesn't quite get that far it kind of cut you can see it but it kind of comes up to Mark and Sean before yeah. we kind of get to that stair that staircase um, and then we can see that you know it says each VIP area has a couple of couches a table covered in bottles of vodka tequila rum mixers ice glasses and a private waitress who's happy to bend over and pour a drink for you I think Aaron and Sorkin's getting a little suggestive in the script here. <laughs> um, and that's where we catch up with Mark and Sean. Sitting next to Sean is a beautiful woman. There's actually nobody, I think, sitting next to Sean once we get up there. But she does approach him a couple of seconds into this speech. Like, yeah. he starts talking and then she turns up. Um, and, you know, they have to speak above the music, of course. Um, I'm sure, as everyone is aware, when it comes to music in film, you shoot the scene with no music. Um, and in a scene like this where you're at a club, you yell at the top of your lungs as though there is music there. And then later on, they, they put the music in afterwards. Um, and, you know, that is obviously true here as well. There's some behind the scenes stuff where we see them shooting the scene. And it's really funny to watch Justin Timberlake and Jesse Eisenberg screaming at the top of their lungs, their lines <laughs> over no music. And you could just kind of hear the silent shuffle of people pretending to dance in the background, um, you know, which is just one of the things that kind of amuses me. Uh, the track that is playing here is by Dennis de Laat, which is, uh, I'm going to guess, a Dutch name with two A's like that. Um, and um, it is called Sound of Violence. Uh, I don't think it sounds particularly violent myself. Um, it was, um, well, it was put onto YouTube, let's put it like that, on the 11th of August 2009. Uh, I think it was officially released um, in the Netherlands in 2010. Um, with the the kind of version we're hearing here, but there was an earlier version that was released in 2009. Um, so obviously it would not have been playing 
while they were in the the club um you know like it so i i mean i'm willing i'm willing to forgive them because like you know um who can tell the difference between like you know 2004 dance music and 2009 dance music <laughs> like um to me it all sounds like dance music so uh, you know I'm willing to just let them kind of get away with just playing some dance music. Um, you know, it doesn't matter if it was a 2009 track or a 2004 track. I'm sure there's some people out there who would be bothered by this particular thing. <laughs> uh, but it's one of the things in the film where I'm like, okay, like, you know, it, it, they just need club music, basically. And, you know, this this track is the track that they picked. Uh, I'm guessing because it was probably the e easiest track to clear. Um, it's seven minutes forty-five in the remix version that's 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 being heard in the film, which is the main mix. Um, uh, so you know, more than long enough to cover this scene, which is basically I think three and a half minutes long. Um, so we we're hearing roughly half of the song, uh, and I'm going to guess that we're probably hearing the song slightly edited. So some of the things in it are probably not where they should be, and you know, I'm I'm sure there's something wrong with this track. Uh, other than the fact that it it's been played here five years too early, um, <laughs> but I'm kind of willing to forgive it because obviously the the point of this scene is not the music that's being played in the background that they're yelling over the top of. Um, uh, you know, in this particular part of the the minute, it's actually um, Mark's weird deflection when he <laughs> stares at um, you know uh, beautiful woman number one who is labelled as Brianna. Um, who approaches Sean and says, you know, calls him the homeless rock star of Palo Alto. Um, and, you know, Sean says, what's your plan for the summer? And then he has to get Mark's attention. <laughs> and, then, and he's like, I'm sorry, I was looking at the architecture. Um, which I, I don't know. I, I guess, I don't know. I, like This feels maybe like this is the first time that Mark Zuckerberg has been in a club. And maybe that's what's distracting him, yeah. or maybe it's the beautiful women, or I, I don't know. But I just like this weird kind of moment of distraction from Jesse Eisenberg where he's not paying attention to Sean, and he's kind of a little overwhelmed by the environment, which I think is the point. That's why Sean's taken him there. Sean, Sean, Sean probably comes oh, yeah. here four nights a week. He, you know, he does, it doesn't. It makes no odds to him who's standing next to him or how beautiful the clientele are. You know, he's probably used to this, but it's obviously there to kind of dazzle Mark Zuckerberg. Well, he's the one who put it in his head, the suggestion he had to come to California. Now that he's here, immediately takes him to a club where he'll be out of his element and he can just tell him whatever stories he wants to tell him. Yeah. Um, and also, I, I, you know, I like that we, uh, you know, I said this in the, the first scene that we had just in Timberlake Inn with uh, Dakota Johnson, where obviously he, he was at a college party and that's how he meets Amelia Ritter. Yeah. So... You know, you have to say to yourself, what's going on with a 24, five-year-old being at college parties? And then now, you know, we have Sh Sean has, has turned up with his Sharon and now he's obviously left her behind. Yeah. And he says, you know, he was crashing there for a little bit while he was taking care of some things, which is a wonderfully vague statement. Uh -huh. uh, but she she's done for the summer. So she's back at her parents' place. So... Again, that, that doesn't speak to someone who is, you know that old if they're having to go back to their parents place after the summer um so again there's just these little hints that maybe sean parker is spending his time hanging around with um you know college students when he shouldn't be well that um, and he also seems to maybe actually be homeless like he he slept at amy's yeah. place he didn't they didn't have sex and then he was crashing <laughs> yeah. with sharon and now he's gonna crash with mark it's just like he jumps from wherever he can to wherever he can 
He's too cool to have his yeah. own place. He did say to Amy he was broke. Yeah. You know, so, and he admitted that the, you know, that he, when he went to the lunch, that they basically declared bankruptcy to get out of being sued by all the record companies. So he's, he's said twice now that he has no money. And this seems to be the third time where he's basically saying, I've got nowhere to live and no money. Uh, obviously, we'll see how that kind of gets resolved, um, you know, in the next you know minute or, or so. Um, but I just, I just kind of like how Sean knows that he, he basically, if he wants to get on Mark's good side, he has to kind of take him to places that Mark wouldn't normally go. Yeah. And also use that to kind of overwhelm him just a little bit. Um, and that's what he does here at, at this club. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, I think as well, uh, you know, not that I've really kind of ever paid that much attention to Dennis Delard's sound of violence. Um, but I think it fits with the scene. Like, um, there are a little points where the music kind of, I don't know, there's kind of like vague lyrics that kind of build and then stop. And they kind of seem to punctuate, like, it doesn't seem like David Fincher has picked this music randomly. No. Like, there's certain kind of ebbs and flow to the music that fit with the stories that are being told. So that there's certain gaps where either Sean or Mark will take a, a breath and kind of, you know, say yeah. something different or change the subject. And, and I think the music is kind of... Um, it's one of those things where when you watch the scene again, you're like, oh, it's not like it's it's loud, but it's not overwhelming them because there's nothing there's nothing going on that will take away from what they're saying to each other. Um, you know, each time the music kind of builds and then kind of stops, it's when it's to allow the characters to kind of speak. So whatever the you know, whatever the choice, whatever the reason for the choice, I think it really fits with the scene. There's a good one of those this minute because Sean says, what's your plan for the summer? And the lyrics come in and say, when the sun goes down. And that's when Mark yes. is distracted. And then he's like, I'm sorry, <laughs> yeah. I was looking at the architecture. And so it's, yeah, it's, it suggests, like, literally, we just saw the sun going down, but also it's like a completely new era for Facebook in this moment that it could fail, maybe, he's thinking, if he doesn't get Sean involved or do something new. So, it, yeah, it fits. It's appropriate. Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's one of the things that, like, you know, like you can have any kind of, like, you know, club music playing that you want. Uh, but they have kind of tailored it so that there are little tiny pieces of this that kind of counterpoint with what's going on in the scene. Um, again, it's not like David Fincher does things by accident. You know, he no, is no. very picky. And so this song kind of really works within this this scene. Uh, is there anything else that needs to be said about this particular minute? Like I said, more of a transitional minute. We're kind of getting the end of the stuff from the house and, you know, starting ourselves up here in the club where we're going to be for the next four minutes pretty much rest of the week is going to be we're going to be banging it out in the club no i i think i covered it yeah i don't i don't trust sean when he says he like when he asks questions i think he always knows the answer <laughs> but yeah there's more of that in uh, the next few minutes so. yes yeah oh yeah yeah no we're gonna get into some we're gonna get into some stories that, that set certain things up well then the question on monday is did you see the social network at the cinema yes opening weekend was it uh, can you remember how full it was or um, I live in LA, so it depends. I probably would have gone in the morning, unfortunately, because I'd try to get there when it's not that crowded. Uh, yeah. And we have a lot of theaters around LA, so it probably wasn't full, but yeah, I'm sure it was pretty full, pretty crowded. I mean, a good crowd. Yeah. And, um, and I loved well, it I think... like, immediately, so. <laughs> yeah. It's, I Well, I mean, like I've said many times before, I saw it five times. Uh, I saw it like twice in the first two days it was out. Yes. So um, I was very enthusiastic. I, you know, I've been a fan of, um, you know, uh, 
kind of David Fincher since seen seven at the cinema. So, I, you know, when this when I heard news of this and I saw the trailers and everything, I was I was eagerly waiting for it to come out. Um, so as soon as it was out, I was like, I'm definitely going to have to go see this movie as soon as I possibly can, <laughs> just because I don't understand what it's going to be about. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, I shouldn't have doubted that David Fincher and Aaron Sorkin wouldn't have been able to do something with this film. Yeah, it's so much more interesting um, than the premise suggests. Uh, well then let's go to plugs is there anything that you wish to plug robert i'm just gonna keep it simple do one a day today i'll plug michael myers minute um where i looked at the so far the original halloween 1978 one minute at a time occasionally with guests uh did a good chunk of it by myself especially once laurie gets left by herself at the end of the film and i hope to get back to it for halloween 2 sometime next year and keep going through a lot of the others but faster two minutes at a time for the yes. second and, you know, <laughs> so on speed that thing up that's uh, 10 minutes movies. at a time for resurrection <laughs> yeah i guess when i get to yeah. h20 it's 20 minutes at a time <laughs> Uh, well then you can find us on myspace at myspace.com slash the social minute or on twitter at social underscore minute or on facebook at the social minute podcast thanks once more for being my guest here today robert yeah thank you for having me and i'll see you tomorrow